Welcome back to the Live to Give podcast. My name is Jacob, and I have with me here your hosts, Evan, Nate, and Courtney. How are we all doing today? Pretty good. I'm doing good. Pretty doing good. all right. Yeah. 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 It's spring break week. Oh, that's and it's exciting. it's freezing cold out. Yes, that's frustrating. Not exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the husband and child are home, so I guess that's fun. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's my wife's birthday right now, and oh, yeah. she, it, it was cool. It I fell. 100% thought that was a joke. No, it really is her birthday <laughs> today as okay. we're recording this, so that's what how great of a husband I am. podcast. So she scheduled a while ago a uh, zoo play date for spring break on her birthday with oh, my daughter's no. friends and uh-huh. thinking it would be warm, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It felt like six degrees when they yeah, left. Yeah, oh, they still went. Unfortunately, because wow. my daughter was pumped. For right. Mm. It's zoo God weather. Bless you. The things we do for our children. Yeah. Well, the polar bears might be children. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Potter Park Zoo. Yeah, the Potter Park Zoo. Yeah. It's a new exhibit. Penguins aren't even out. <laughs> so did you go? No. <laughs> No, I did not volunteer as tribute. <laughs> you don't want to be a popsicle? No, I hate the cold. Yeah. But God bless them. The yeah. people out in the cold. She's yeah. a trooper. Yeah. Last night, I was getting ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting there minding my own business. And all of a sudden, I got a message from one of my friends with a video of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw last night. So I've been thinking about that a lot. And coming in this morning, I was there's it's everywhere. Oh, like everybody's crazy. talking about. Absolutely crazy. Uh, I don't know if this is the most appropriate place to bring it up, but it is part of what I was thinking. So I'm going to bring it up. But <laughs> it's just shocking. I don't think I've seen anything like that. <clears throat> I've not watched the Oscars before and seen another person get hit. You know, right, that's right. probably a good. Thing. I think that's yeah. the first. But yeah, it was just crazy bizarre. I don't that know if you guys crazy. have you guys seen it, thought about it, talked about it. Well, I was just I was eating breakfast this morning, scrolling, and then all of a sudden it's like Will Smith slapped Chris. <laughs> what? What yeah. is happening? And then I clicked on. I was like, Oh, there's a video. It's on video. And so I watched it, and that was like I was very uncomfy. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like it. Very yeah. awkward. The whole thing just so cringe. Strange. Like oh yeah. Yeah, I saw it this morning as well. Uh-huh. I went to bed at like 8 o'clock last night. I was tired. I went to bed at 9. Yeah. Oh, I was so happy about it. Sorry. Job, so guys. that was my first thing this morning was scrolling through. I went, wait, yeah. what? And then I, I had to find the video. That right. always took a while because it's all the articles. I don't care about the articles. Right. I want to mm. see it. And then I went, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Watching Crazy. it for the first time for me, I was just like, is this real? It's so yeah. awkward. Yeah. There's this moment that we're all thinking, I'm sure at some point, did this actually happen or was this scripted? That's kind of like the word world we're in for yeah. sure. Like, what are the like? How did it make me feel when I'm watching it? But then also, what's the evidence supporting whether it's real or not? You know, because it's yeah. so so awkward. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of us fully understand like what was going through Chris's head, Will's, Jada, all that stuff when it went down. It was just man, it was crazy. Like, what 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 drives one comedian to say a joke that that probably went too far what drives another man to to defend his wife mm. physically yeah, like right. what drives in front of the whole academy yeah, like I, yeah. think, <laughs> I think there's just a lot there for each person everybody Crazy. involved and uh we may never fully understand yeah. like why each person mm-hmm. did what they did mm-hmm. and all that but regardless it is in our culture now. It's probably not <laughs> yeah. going away for <laughs> maybe a decades to come is one of the <coughs> wildest moments in like Hollywood history. Uh, so yeah, we're, it's, well, it's on the radar for sure. And part of the reason I was even bringing it up in the podcast was thinking like we're going through a series called Pivot. 
You know, we're mm-hmm. going through things where we're talking how we move around in this life. And when events like that last night, that really does cause you to pause. I don't know if it's a pivot event or I would, you know, maybe not declare it that, but at least gets our attention and obviously gives a lot of um, ammunition for like talk show hosts and all that kind of stuff to talk <laughs> through it. Yeah. You know, uh, crazy amounts. But initially, I'm just thinking like, that's really what pivots all about. When things happen, what do we do? And what do we do as the church? What do we do as uh, Jesus followers? What do we do is like, just where's Jesus in that? And I don't want to be over cheesy either and make it like um, too spiritualized, but that's the point of pivoting. Would, would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. I, yeah. I don't want to jump ahead too much into like even week four of the series that we're in. Um, but like, yeah, it's it is a moment of like we're pivoting around love, around intolerance, and and mm-hmm. how we respond when people do things that make us uncomfortable, make us you know maybe mm-hmm. even things that we disagree with. Like like how do we pivot in that moment? What mm-hmm. should we do? What's our response? And yeah, this is a perfect example of how we can react <laughs> yeah. in those moments. Because what I saw, and I don't want to belabor it. And here's my point: I'm not trying to over spiritualize this, but when you talk, when you, I don't know, this morning, what I was thinking through was Chris Rock's reaction, immediate, his first reaction. Um, he had no, I don't know if he knew. Okay, I have no idea, and I can't speak for him. But it was just like the power of turn the other cheek. You know, like that's what I was thinking through that Jesus is teaching. Not that I'm saying Will Smith was wrong in what he did or whatever. I'm not clearing that yet. I'm just thinking out loud without much ramifications to my thoughts yet. So this is just raw. <laughs> and in my thought process right up front was I was thinking about turn the other cheek. Like I saw, I saw the, the act, like when you get hit, it's a surprise, you know, like there's nothing you can do. And to turn the other cheek in that moment, like Chris did not, his immediate reaction was not throwing down, you know, Mm. he could have, you know, and I don't know if it was real or whatever. And that's not the point. I'm just saying like, that's what caught my attention. The, the ramifications and the elements in that situation for all humanity, for spiritual, you know, like that's caught my attention. And I'm thinking like, the Jesus principle to turn the other cheek, those kind of things. It's like, yeah, it's still very much a part of what we are dealing with in life, you know, to the very core. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of pictured, uh, along those same lines, like Jesus saying like, blessed are the meek. Like that's a term for like wild horses around horses and stuff. Like it's not the idea that you're weak and Mm. that you turn the other cheek because, uh, you aren't stronger. You can't combat whatever's coming at you. It's because like, no, the better option is restraint. The better yeah. option is to be meek that you are this <laughs> it might be cheesy, but you are this wild horse, but yet you are restrained. You're in control of yourself and mm. stuff like that. So yeah, it's man. I like, it's, it's crazy. Like Chris Rock made fun of a medical condition, whether he was aware that she had it or not, we aren't sure. Yeah. Um, and and a husband responded yeah. with a slap like yeah. it, it's a wild situation and and yeah i don't i'm not sure anybody really knows what to do right. <laughs> how do we go forward from like, what, what, what does going forward look like yeah. does it look like added security around a stage right. does it look or yeah. does it look right. like a change in our comedy around like hey like physical appearance is completely off limits now i don't know because yeah. of medical issues i don't right. i don't know like I th- like you you said, like we're pausing. We aren't sure how to pivot if we need to in yeah, this moment. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I wonder like uh, if this was, if it was just like the perfect storm for Will Smith or something where like maybe 
like i mean that that's i feel like that's like a intense situation yeah. surrounded by tons and tons of people and flashing lights and like i don't i guess maybe he's used to it maybe not i don't know but i just wonder like we don't know what's happening in his personal life or in his personal world or like what what would like maybe he just had a conversation with his wife about it like we well, don't know no, i don't know i'm just yeah. curious i would just be curious to see like what what if there was anything that like led him throughout the day or throughout the week even to that moment for him to like just snap and I don't know maybe maybe there wasn't maybe there wasn't anything and maybe I'm just being overly emotional about it but I don't know I'm just curious (laughs) (laughs) yeah well anyways as as we move forward in in our conversation today we're talking about a couple of things um um a, a couple weeks ago um Kirk had a sermon about pivoting from legalism to relationship. Mm-hmm. And then this yesterday he had a sermon about pivoting from exclusivity towards tolerance and intolerance towards love and those kinds of things. So this, mm-hmm. this is kind of where we're heading today. Um, if you were interested or just wondering, that's kind of where we're heading. So, so to start off, um, <clears throat> Nate, why don't you just tell us a little bit about, um, Kirk's talk on, um, I just forgot what it was. The first legalism. One. legalism. Thank you. Legalism yeah. to relationship. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, there's not much that I could probably do setting up. I think this is probably the one that's probably most common ground. Yeah. If you if you I think agree. at all, if you've had any life within the church or grew up in the church, mm-hmm. or have um, very little uh, experience with the church, I think we know what it feels like with the tension of either being a rule follower or being perfect. Growing up in school, we know what it's like. And I, so I'm on the full other side. I had zero desire to be perfect. (laughs) No desire in me uh, that way. In the sense, I looked at people that tried to be perfect and my job was to bug them. That's what I'd like to do. You know, (laughs) ever since I was a kid, I loved it because I, I, yeah. So this probably isn't the best conversation for me to start off, but I will say this. This is where everybody can relate, though. Because we know what it's like to have someone in our life that's a major rule follower. We know what it's like, even in our own life, if we are honest, we have tendencies to be um, towards perfection. And so the church is not absent from all this. If we are really honest, um, I think like even when we were talking about um, what happened at the Oscars last night, like that's honest. We're talking through something honest. The church tends not to talk through honest things very well. And in this one area... Um, legalism has been something that's plagued the church on many different levels. And so this week was really about unpacking that. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus and not live in legalism, uh, but live more in relationships? Yeah. And he even breaks that through the Sermon on the Mount and uh, talks actually about more or less, if we look at on surface level, Jesus actually feels like he is more of a supporter of legalism. Mm-hmm. And I love the way Kirk kind of played that out. And that's not the case. More he wraps it up in the so what, and we don't have to go there quite yet. But um, just setting up the framework of what he walked through. And I thought that was really powerful for people. Like even sitting in the audience myself, I could see there's something happening in the room because we all battle this um, process. So a little food for thought there. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we could, before we get into more like more of our like deeper thoughts about the topic. Um, could you, Evan, maybe possibly just tell us, just break down legalism as a concept for us just real quick. Yeah. I mean, it's the idea of putting uh, heavy importance on the rules, the laws themselves. Um, 
like, you know, in the Old Testament, there's 613 laws that, that are being asked of us to follow. Not asked, but required of right. us to be uh, following. And and legalism is the idea of, like, raising those above Jesus, putting those laws above people, putting all those things above love itself. And so if you find someone who is just beating you up with, like, all the different mm. laws uh, of Scripture and rules and just telling you that your behavior's off, all that mm. type of stuff, like, it, it's usually because they're stuck in legalism or they're... Uh, um, or yeah, they're just focused on that uh, rather than keeping their eyes on Jesus. And, and yeah, we, uh, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. It's the idea of just putting rules uh, above Jesus. Like you're focused mm-hmm. more on getting things right rather than just looking at Jesus and yeah. seeing where it takes you. Where does that work for you? Are you more of a rule follower? Or would you say you were less of a rule? Like, how do you how do you gauge that? Yeah, I, I think it, it it it's changed a little bit for me. You know, growing up, I, I have a rough past in the sense of like I, I was not following Jesus as a child, despite growing up in church and all that stuff. Like, I, I was living two different lives, and and so like I was definitely a rule breaker growing up. By nature, my personality is like I like structure, I like order. So it's not necessarily the rules themselves that I like. I just like things being structured and ordered. I just don't like chaos necessarily. Mm. Uh so if a rule makes sense to me, I'm all for it. I'm all about that. <laughs> I feel if that. I think a rule is stupid and get in the way of something, I have no problem breaking it whatsoever. So I don't know. I'm a little indifferent in that way. If it makes sense, great. If it doesn't, I do not care. No. Yeah. Um, I know that we've talked about legalism before. And so as a result, we know that like Courtney and I both have Mm -hmm. really lived in legalism a lot of our lives. So I was just, um, maybe you could tell us maybe some more details about, um, your, your personal experience with legalism, Courtney. Um, because I think we've talked about it in the podcast previously, kind of generally and like more conceptually. But I just wonder, like, could you tell us a little bit about your personal experience with legalism? And and maybe if you are willing, even getting into some more of like, I'm sorry, I'm asking you to be vulnerable as an enemy. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to run away now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but um, but like even even like how it affected you and continues to affect you even now. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I definitely have, like, this has been in the last year and a half or so, something mm-hmm. I've been processing through and even like realizing just how much legalism affected me growing mm-hmm. up. Uh, unlike Nate, I was probably the person he would have picked on actually. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> like I, to me, like trying to be perfect or like trying to be that good person, that good kid, like fueled me, yeah. uh, growing up. And so, and I, I do think looking back, part of that was just a structure that was kind of put on me mm-hmm. of like, I was the athletic kid. I was the good kid. I was the kid that like my parents quote unquote never had to worry about. Um, and so that became a part of my identity. Yeah. Um, and so there was part of like with the legalism, uh, it just became something that I was just very much a part of who I was. Uh, I was very driven by behavior. Uh, and I think a, a side piece of that was wanting to be liked. Um, mm. also because I grew up in a Christian school. Right. Uh, and so there was that, oh, if you're the good kid, then you're the well-liked kid. Um, wow. so as a result though, there was a lot of inner monologue mm. in my head or diff- mm. different things that like people, I don't know, really got to know the real Courtney because of it too. Um, 
but then I also had just in my my schooling and even in my church growing up as a kid wasn't super legalistic so much, but mm-hmm. it was definitely in the schooling. And then even as I got into college, I also that's I went to Christian school there as well. And the legalism was very strong there, even to like what we could wear and what we didn't wear and oh, like wow. the things that you said, who you hung yeah. out with. It was all you were just judged, it felt like, by how you behaved and what you did. Um, and so it was just kind of a part of who I was, of just things of like these rules or these even like really these made up rules of how I thought <laughs> I should behave. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it wasn't even necessarily like people saying, hey, you can't do this or you can't mm-hmm. do that. It was just this feeling of constant, like, oh, if I misbehave or if I do this the mm. wrong way or if they look at me that way, then I'm a failure. Mm. Uh, and so my Christian walk was very much like influenced by mm-hmm. my behavior. And like, I absolutely love Jesus and all that, but I honestly, looking back now, I look at like, man, I missed out on Jesus so much. Yeah. Like, and it makes me sad that I had 30 some years of like, yeah. man, like I knew I loved Jesus and that he loved me and all that, but I, I missed out on who he really was. And as a result, just even the relationships that I missed out on and just even joy in my own life, mm-hmm. I think, because of all the emphasis on behavior and rule following. Yeah. So um, fast forwarding to today, uh, I've been just... I don't, it, for lack of better phrasing, of deconstructing mm. uh, my faith a bit in the last year and a half, but really reconstructing of who is mm-hmm. Jesus really truly. When I go back and look at the Gospels, how did he love? How did he, uh, what did he expect of us mm-hmm. really? Uh, and it's been mind blowing for me. Um, but I still struggle with legalism to this day. Mm-hmm. I even find it when I'm having conversations with people, uh, where I'll, I'll have to stop myself to be like, wait, can I even have this conversation? Or if I have to address something even with people in the church or students mm. in the church where there, maybe there's an issue that's popped up mm-hmm. I almost don't even want to talk to that person about the issue because I feel this sense of legalism like mm. in me still that like I don't want to come across as that person that's judging yeah uh, and it really I don't know it's been interesting just mm-hmm. even through the thought processes of like I want to love the person. And yes, there's certain things that we still have an expectation or uh, mm-hmm. like, hey, there's certain things you cannot right. do. Right. Uh, but I always am checking myself now of like, okay, is that really something you can't do? Or am <laughs> I just like, am I going to add guilt and shame right. to this person? Because I don't want that either mm. because I had a lot of that growing up right. because the bar was so <laughs> high and the expectations were so high for me in particular that I carried a lot of guilt and shame that I couldn't be who I really wanted to be or even let people in because there was guilt and shame wrapped around that. And I really don't want to put that on anybody else. Mm -hmm. So I fear at times that I often now am almost flipping to the other side. Sure. Maybe because, or I, I don't know. It's just been an interesting process even now as I'm currently having conversations with Mm -hmm. people of checking myself on a regular basis. So that's really I, I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, I really do. I appreciate you opening up and, and talking that because like my curious, like what's the difference then between confidence and judging, you know, yeah. in those situations, like how do you show that you have confidence and you should have confidence mm-hmm. as a leader, as someone calling somebody out, you know, in that sense. But then right. also, um, how do you do that with grace, you right. know, and not judging because judgment is God's role. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And when we judge, there is, it's an edge to it, you know, but yeah, it, yeah. it's an interesting thought. Have you, like, I, honestly, this is literally in the last like week and a half I've been processing <laughs> yeah, through this. So you're first. very much getting a raw thought awesome. process from me of just trying to figure out that balance mm-hmm. of like, 
you know, there is this like, yeah, as fellow Christians, like we, we want to like iron sharpens iron, like encourage each other Mm -hmm. along and like whatnot. And if there's a struggle with somebody or something that they maybe shouldn't be doing, like, yeah, I want to have that conversation with the person, but not in a judgmental way mm-hmm. uh and not to be like hey you're really failing yeah. Like, no. <laughs> like yeah jesus is mad at you right. uh Ooh. like no Gosh. not that at all like yeah. so it is that like trying to lead the way through love and mm-hmm. lead the way through like jesus loves you period. period yeah like bottom line um but for you as a person and I care about you as a person too. Like I love you as a person. Like I want that to be the first thing that people get right. is like, I care about you. I love you period. But to help you in your life, maybe here's a way, you know, right. like, and try to have those conversations. And it's tough. Like I'm really, truly, I'm just trying to figure out like mm-hmm. how to have tough conversations while still showing right. love and grace. So I don't know. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. It makes me think of like, uh, Kurt, Kirk's example at the end of his uh, sermon from week three, where he talks about um, marriage as the example. And I think we've heard that a little bit with like, you know, we're, we're on this marriage with God. Right. And so uh, the idea is not to not cheat on God or not or to keep focused on these rules. The idea is, no, you're just so in love with God, mm-hmm. with Jesus, uh, with your spouse that you don't have to think about not cheating. I, I love the example they gave there with that. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like that is, mm-hmm. that is what it is. It's not that like, of course we can all agree that like cheating on your spouse is wrong. There's no doubt. There's no question there or anything like that. So, so that rule, if you will, that law is there and we're all aware of it and we agree that it's good and healthy. It's right. But if all we do is focus on that rule, that law, and that's the only reason I'm not cheating on my wife is because the law is there, then that's legalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, if my eyes are on my wife and that's why I'm not cheating, that's love. That's not mm-hmm. legalism. Mm-hmm. And so that's the balance and and how that plays out with your interactions with friends and, and coworkers or whatever it might be. Man, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'm not sure any of us could script out what that exactly looks oh, like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think as, as I've been thinking about this, I think about some conversations I've had with some people and also like podcasts I've listened to and just stuff that, yeah, just stuff that I've heard. But like something that I think is really interesting is that these rules, like the, the concept of Christianity as rules, it brings a lot of safety because <clears throat> if like it may, it, it kind of almost makes Christianity and following Jesus palatable because if there's these rules and there's, if I just follow these rules, then, then I'm a good person, Mm -hmm. then I'm a good Christian, then I'm a good son, then I'm a good whatever. But when you start moving to, from legalism, from these rules towards relationship and towards love, life gets really messy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Life gets confusing. Life gets more challenging because love is not a list of rules and it's more complicated than that. It's more, it's more beautiful than that. Absolutely. It's more full than any list of rules could ever be, but it makes life challenging because then that requires us not just to tolerate, not just to, to like the, our friend who is, I don't know, who's not a Christian or whatever. It, it, it doesn't mean that we're just like nice to them and then they go on, but like true love is compassion is empathy is, is, I don't know, all of those other kinds of things. And when, and when you start to move in, in those kinds of ways and live in that kind of a, 
kind of mentality and perspective, it makes life messy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that some people sometimes find a lot of comfortability inside of the rules because it's safer. And, and life was not, in my opinion, life is not meant to be lived in safety because I've, I personally have found so much freedom and vulnerability and vulnerability is not safe. (laughs) Love, love, true love, true loving others. It's not a safe thing to do. It's the scary thing and Mm -hmm. it's the harder choice. And so I think that legalism is just easier, (laughs) but it's not real. There's, I, I, I think that's well said, Jacob. Um, it made me think of something I'm also thinking about uh, on this um, side of legalism. Cause I was wondering like, why in the world do we have that? You, you're talking about the place of comfort. Mm. And I think that's exactly what it, there's like a twisting element to yeah, legalism yeah. where mm-hmm. it feels comfortable, comfortable yeah. because it feels comfortable. To the person with the preferences, it's like we take preferences and we create a law around those preferences yeah, yeah. and it's just our preference. That's all it is. Mm. But because it's our preference, we are comfortable enough to say everybody should feel this way. You know, like <laughs> I do that all the time. I really do. I don't even think about it. But if I like a certain restaurant and I'm with people, I'm hoping everybody's going to gravitate towards my preference and it becomes more law than really a true preference. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And so that's where I feel like that's a really minor example. Sure. But I feel just as charged sometimes talking about my preferences as I do laws. And I feel like that's where we get really confused mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's just, just a thought. So I don't know if this is like the silver bullet. I don't know. There's <laughs> rarely ever a silver bullet, sure. but I'm just saying like in this conversation, what I think is like, we get really confused between the two preferences versus um, like, here's our morals. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think a lot of that is also just interpreting scripture to modern day. Mm. And like, that's <laughs> yeah. that in and of itself should be a, two time over full time job. <laughs> like, yeah. Like just yeah. trying to do that alone. And yet we're all trying to do it. Some of us, um, you know, have been like uh educated in this area mm-hmm. and now this is our career. And we are even struggling yeah, to do absolutely. this today. And yet we have other people out in the world who who like they just claim that this is the absolute truth and that this is the way it is and legalism is right and you should be out on the corner shouting at people telling mm-hmm. them how wrong they are. And Gosh. like so you have that extreme of legalism and yet they think it's totally right and normal. I think legalism in and of itself is one of the most confusing areas and that's why we see the evil one using it as one of his greatest tools. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we even as pastors and directors on staff like we even are like Hey, we're still trying to put our own language to, to yeah. legalism yeah. and yeah. love and the difference there. Um, yeah, it's it's a very confusing topic to work through for all of us. Has anyone ever been preached to from a street corner? <laughs> I'm honest. I went yes. to California. No. I've been to California, you know, a couple of times. And and being out there, there was a there was a gentleman uh, with a mega mega horn or whatever, and he was yelling at the top of his lungs yeah. to repent. Wow. And um, I was just thinking, I'm like, no, I want to be open. I, I really do. Because there's there's an element even in that where someone is going to be, who is a follower of Jesus, is saying um, they need to be told. They need to be told. That's mm-hmm. really the f- emphasis of like being on that side, if you want to make two sides to it. Then there's this other side where it's saying, yeah, but what about the shame and guilt? Mm-hmm. And what are, like people are walking away with their their heads between their legs. You know, it's like, like they are, they are broken and you're just beating up on them more. And so it's like, when we talk about these issues and when we really work it out, it's like, that's kind of the picture I see 
when we talk about legalism because we have both forces kind of moving against us and we have both forces kind of moving for us. And that's how complicated the fact this yeah. really is yeah. because there's right in what he's doing. There's also wrong yeah. in what they're doing, right. yeah. you know? And so that's where it's really shady because mm-hmm. we have to figure out and we have to fight for what does love look like ultimately, right. you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. Those are just my thoughts. That makes me think of um, in school, we learned about like all those pastors back in the day, like, I mean, John Wesley and like all these other people. And they they would do the same thing. They would Mm -hmm. stand on street corners. They stand on their soapbox and they would scream fire and brimstone. But at the time, at that particular time, in that particular point of history, those messages were actually received, which is fascinating to me in that. Like, for some reason, their messages of fire and brimstone did cause people to come to God. But it was because it was in that particular time or that particular moment in time and in history from those particular people. So I don't know. That that makes I mean that I think that muddies the water even more, honestly. Yeah. But um <clears throat> but it's just it's just interesting that like Something that we would condone now, not condone, what's the opposite of condone? No. Something that we would not approve of now. (laughs) Well, it's not more or less, I think, the approve or disapproval. Sure. It's more like, and I feel like there could be five people being on a street corner today, five people receive that message, you know? And that's the question. Are we basing it on fruit from this person that's preaching on the corner and these five people that listened out of hundreds of people have walked away, you know, yeah. what are we basing that on? And there's that it changes the metric. I, I don't know if I would go as far as saying like we would approve or disapprove someone preaching on the corner. What I would say is you have to know your audience. You know, if you're going to preach, if you're going to be the person that's going to be the leader that has the microphone, then you have to understand the heart of God and the heart of the people you're talking to, regardless if they are sinners or not sinners, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's the heart. And I feel like that's the message that's still pertinent today. And that also will give extra um, emphasis to the person with the microphone if they're speaking in grace. Because mm. we know what it feels like as a child if you've had any interaction with a parent or guardian telling you what to do or telling mm-hmm. you when you're wrong. Mm-hmm. If they come at you and say everything you did wrong, you're only going to hear part of it. But if you come after them and you feel like, yeah, they messed up, but you love them, you're never questioning how much they love you, yeah. it changes the message. Yeah. It adds more brevity to that it has there's a bigger piece to that and i feel like it has to have a human condition it has to be embedded in emotion but it has to be embedded with grace yeah yeah i think you you look at uh the interactions jesus had with people when you say like know your audience when thousands gathered jesus's first concern was their well-being was their their Mm -hmm. meal their hunger and so like let's feed these people first no he wasn't up there with his bullhorn saying hey turn or burn (laughs) and it's not that that message isn't there let's be clear there it's just again know your audience like pastor Mm -hmm. nate said like know your audience what what should i say to these people what is their greatest need in this moment now the the harsh comments that jesus did make was Again, know your audience towards the religious elite right. or towards right. the people who needed to be put in their place because they were taking advantage of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in, in those times where Jesus did actually call people out 
out with harsh words. I think of the woman at the well, which again, that's, I'm probably opening up Pandora's box with this thing too. That's what pivoting's all <laughs> but, about. <laughs> but, uh, like he did call her out. He did call her out, but it was an intimate moment mm-hmm. and it was with Jesus and it was done with pure love that this woman never dreamed of even having an interaction with this man at this well. So like Mm -hmm. there's so many layers to it that if we just in today's biblical interpretation, take it as, Oh, we get to go to places and call people out. (laughs) You're wrong. (laughs) Like that is pure legalism. I will call you out on this podcast that millions of people listen to. Uh, (laughs) We know that. Facts. Yeah. I, I was like just, that. know your audience. That's good. Yeah. The, I had a couple of thoughts there, like with uh, Pastor Evans comments uh, with Jesus, it was Mark in particular is all the time talking about Jesus's compassion, like how mm-hmm. he had compassion on them. That was like a driving emotion, a driving thing for Jesus in regards to the non-religious people. Uh, and like, are we doing that when we have the conversations? Is that who we're mirroring that type of a thing? Do we have compassion on people before we have the conversations? Because you even see that with the woman at the well, like you can tell that conversation was from a place of compassion and love. Mm. Uh, and then like with Pastor Nate's comments too, of the child, I went there with my own kid. Um, so I have a six year old mm-hmm. and when she misbehaves or does things, like if I call her out on her behavior and in a way that I'm just so angry or just like, why would you do that? You can't, or like, you know, whatever it might be. Maybe she's like freaking out, kicks me something like that. But if I, <laughs> if I get angry at her, if that's my first immediate thing, and I get so angry that she suddenly just realizes, ooh, if I behave this way, mom's going to get mad. And then she just stops behaving because there's this fear in her mm. of like, oh, mom's going to go off the charts here if I don't do this or if I do mm-hmm. this the certain way. Uh, I don't want that for my child. Like, I don't want her behavior to be because she's fearful of me. Yeah. Like, I don't want my relationship with my child to be driven out of like fear mm. or to be like, oh, no, mom's going to. Yeah. Do this. Like, I want her to understand why do we behave this way or why right. don't we behave this way? Why don't we use these words or, you know, or whatever mm-hmm. it might be that she's going through? Uh, I want to be able to have that conversation with her to be like, no, I, cause I want my relationship with my child to be out of like her wanting to grow and to develop and want to have a relationship with me. Yeah. Not driven by shame, fear, guilt yeah. of, oh no how is mom in the cave? And I think that when I look at our relationship with God, it's a similar thing too. Like, yes, there is the like fire and brimstone of like, yes, we have to believe or, or blah, 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 whatever. Um, but I, I would tend to think that God wants us to be able to say like, Hey, he, we want to have a relationship with you. We want to have a relationship with Jesus because mm. I want to grow. I want to be better for you, not because I'm fearful of you or I'm afraid of what might happen if I misbehave. Yeah. Uh, I can't, that's not God. That's no. not love. Yep. So I think, um, as you talk about like fear and shame and guilt, I'm just remembering, like I just had a flash of like going back to when I was a kid and so many sermons about the fear of the Lord mm-hmm. and how confusing that is. <laughs> Cause I grew up like, like, like they explained it and like the pastors, pastors and people would like explain it as like awe and all these different things. But I couldn't like at the time I couldn't parse the difference between awe, fear and fear, fear. And, and like, and so I think that was, I mean, fear, oh my gosh, that like ruled 
my childhood and ruled my teenage years even too. Like I was afraid to break the rules, afraid to, to like so much. So I was afraid to bother my dad about like wanting to go to my friend's house because I wasn't sure if it would be a yes or a no, if it was a good thing or if it was not a good thing. And so like, that was that fear. That was the underlying reality, like emotional and like just reality in my brain and in my body always. <laughs> and so I think a lot of that was, I think there's, there's other extenuating circumstances, but some of that absolutely was legalism. And some of that absolutely was misunderstanding just fear of the Lord and how like they would, they would explain this, this idea of fear to me. And I would just be like, okay, so don't break the rules or else, or else. <laughs> don't do anything bad or else. And so I I always operated and tried to tried to be that good kid or tried to be what my parents expected me to be. And I tried to be what I expected of myself. Like I had I still do, honestly, have very high expectations for myself. And when I don't meet them, then I feel guilty and I feel shame and I feel all those different things. <clears throat> but all of that was just undergirded by fear. And, and I just think that, that culture, evangelical culture and legalism as a concept really supported that, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite examples around legalism, and I've talked about it on the podcast before and in sermons, so I'm probably beating a dead horse at this point, but is, uh, the adulterous woman that's being brought to to Jesus. Mm. I mean, Mm -hmm. here it is Pharisees under the Mosaic law saying this woman was caught red handed. She deserves to be stoned. That's what quite literally the law was. Right. And yet Jesus stood up for her. He, he scared away the Pharisees. Somehow there's debate around what exactly he was doing in the sand at that point. But he, the Pharisees left and decided not to stone this woman because Jesus said like, okay, whoever's perfect, they get to do it. So, like, here's this woman who's fearful for her life, caught red-handed. She is absolutely 1 million percent wrong. The Mm -hmm. Pharisees are right, yet Jesus stood up for the wrong person. Mm -hmm. Jesus defended that person. Jesus said that wrong person, I'm going to defend you. And then, of course, when she was done and she said, hey, no one is here to accuse me. And Lord's like, yeah, and neither do I. Go and sin no Mm -hmm. more. It wasn't until after he defended, honestly, her life. Mm -hmm. And showed compassion on her that he then told her, hey, we need to stop this sin in your life. Mm -hmm. Go and sin no more. That's a lot different than someone standing out in a Walmart parking lot saying, hey, quit smoking. You you can't do like, like, did you defend that person's life? Did you build any sort of trust with that person before you just decide to blatantly call Mm -hmm. them out? Like, I don't know. Like, man, that's. The Pharisees were the right ones, yet Jesus didn't stand for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's legalism. He's yeah. for the person yep. before any type of law and, and rule. When we don't, I don't think we talk about this verse very much. We allude to it a lot, but it's First uh, John uh, four eighteen says this: "There is no fear in love, but mm. perfect love drives out fear, because the fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love." Mm. Um. 
there is a perfection there without a doubt. Love makes perf- perfect, you know, and in that perfect, I guess, mode of what love, love has to bring people closer together. There has to be a unifying factor. There's a supernatural power to love that brings people together. And in doing that, it literally drives out fear, mm-hmm. perfect love. Mm-hmm. And when doing that, anyone who actually prefers to have control, prefers to have law, prefers to have punishment, prefers there's fear with those things. And the only way that'll take it away is if we actually open handedly give it up. You know, it's a surrendering yeah. aspect. There's this understanding of like, no, I don't have all the answer. Mm-hmm. I think the people that really struggle with this the most is the ones that have to have control no yeah. matter what. One person said this the other day, uh, Donald Miller on his Instagram said the opposite of love is control. Mm. And that stuck with me for a while because when we look at control, there's something cold with it and we can sense it out. And I feel like as a youth pastor, when I was a youth pastor, I, I saw that with uh, students a lot. They could always sense if I was being authentic or not. Yeah. They just were amazing. <laughs> they that. Yes. Amazing. And I feel like even today, the younger generation is pushing the older generation to be more honest. I think I've said that before. And I think that's a good thing um, because at the heart of it all, it's love. It's really kids trying to figure out how to love adults. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's pretty innocent in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Wow. Are we ready for a brain break? I believe so. Um, I prepped the question. And the question today is, if you could be in any movie, what would it be? (laughs) If you could be in any movie, what would it be? This is a fun one. Jacob, you start us off. I will. All right, I can see you smiling. Yes. You, you're excited. not in the room, people, but you can see Jacob's yes, I'm excited. Very excited about this. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I have two answers, if that's okay. Nope, one. No, I'm going to give you two. Anyway. I'm being legalistic. Uh, uh, <laughs> one, Jacob. No, I'm going to give you two because I want to. <laughs> the first one, obviously, is Harry Potter. Nice. Wow. Mm. Duh. Um, okay, what's yours, Courtney? <laughs> the second one. <laughs> Moving the on. second one is some sort of um, musical, probably maybe like the last five years or something. I most people probably haven't heard of it, but it's a very good musical. Nice. So, hmm. Why? so we're doing one movie, one musical. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm okay. a fan. Change the rule. Or maybe West Side Story. Ooh, I thought you were gonna one. say West Side Story. That's a good one. What was the first one? Uh, Harry Potter. Why? Because it's the freaking Wizarding World. Great. I'm going to be in it and I'm going <laughs> to, do you know what would be so cool is if, 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 um, Bellatrix, the, the lady who played Bellatrix, she was the only person who actually, she was able to do her spell and something blew up. Like, can you imagine <laughs> the power of like saying, ah, and then something blows up. There you go. That'd I like so fireworks fun. every 4th of July. Right. <laughs> it's not the same. It it's is close. not the same. <laughs> I feel like Harry Potter. Sorry, Bell- Bellatrix? Bellatrix. Yeah. Bellatrix, sorry. I haven't she was, actually seen she was Harry pretty Potter. Mean. She's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Well, the <laughs> she's a great actor. Yeah. The actress, nice. yeah. Bellatrix is terrifying, but the yeah. actress did a great job. Ready, Evan? No. They all, uh, looked, at, <laughs> they all looked at you. <laughs> great. Okay, uh, a movie? That mm-hmm. I'm in? Yeah, no. <laughs> if you could be you in, in any movie, yeah. what would it be? Yeah, okay. I would be in... Courtney, what's your answer? <laughs> I actually didn't prepare an answer. That's why I went if towards you. I'm being completely you. honest with you. Uh, I got to think about it. Okay. No, wait, wait, wait. Is there yeah. anything at the top of the service right now you're just like, oh, I can't share, but I because you're thinking it through. What's that answer? Uh, Blades of Glory. There you go. Oh. See? I knew it. Uh, yeah. Great movie. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Will Ferrell. Yeah, I'd be in a crazy oh my good gosh. ice oh. skater. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I'm just picturing you awesome. in an ice skating Phenomenal. Outfit. 
uh, oh every Tuesday gosh. if you want to come out to the ring. No. You'll see Evan. It's how I spend oh, my Tuesday evenings. That makes evenings. me so incredibly happy. <laughs> sure, but I guess that's my answer because I said it. And then the musical, uh, mm. it would be... Um, West Side Story for sure. Really? No, I don't even. I don't think he knows his numbers. Greatest Showman. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'd be a part of the circus. Okay. It's your turn now. Uh, yeah. One movie and one musical, huh? You guys are so annoying. You changed the rules. We're just playing. I was gonna go with a drama and a comedy, but now I gotta throw a musical in there. So this is getting really. Why do you ask? Legalistic guys. Uh, uh, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, Yeah, it just I'd be laughing the whole time. Phenomenal. Never stay in character. Yeah, it'd be great. That's why I would just want to listen to all of the like off the script comments. Mm, It'd be that'd be fun. Uh, And then for a musical. I would have to go with cats. Oh. <gasps> Wait, but why? Is nice. that the only one you can think of? the greatest <laughs> ever. Yeah, I mean, it. they made it in a movie and <laughs> it was killer. It went viral. <laughs> oh, I think it's yeah. getting a four I saw it, with I saw it at the I theater. I love the cats. Is. <laughs> As she shakes her head. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I could me. tell you my opinions about it, but it'll take too long. <laughs> so... <laughs> For me, with the movie, what I would want to be in, uh, the first one, of, it was so dumb. There's a couple, there was a movie a couple of years ago that I actually cried watching. <gasps> yes. Uh, and Becca saw it. And so it makes fun of me for it. It was Mr. Holland's Opus. Oh. Or, no. Was it <laughs> a couple of years ago? No, that know, wasn't was it. Like, I'm sorry. Wow. That was not it. I was a it. kid that Totally not thinking of Mr. the right Holland's one. Mr. Holland's Opus. That no, was not it. That I, is your answer. No. You are in an orchestra. No. I've never heard of it. No, it 90s. wasn't Mr. Holland's Opus. So sorry. <laughs> not the right movie. That's how important this is, okay, to me. I was yeah. not thinking the right topic. <laughs> I just love of all the, no kidding. the movie titles. I ever heard of Mr. Holland's Opus uh, in at least two decades. So this is... I'm dying over here. Okay. So oh, something, wow. something subconscious is coming out right now. Uh, I guess I've always wanted to be a conductor. Yeah. Just finding that out right now. You really yeah. did not want him to retire. That was yeah. sad. Sorry, Kirk changed callings. I'm <laughs> Here we go. No, okay. So it was not... Uh, what did I say even? Mr. <laughs> Holland's Opus. Okay, so it's not that one. It's uh, blacked out for a moment. Yeah, Mr. Magorium's. Oh, and Magic Emporium. That one, because she got oh. her magic back at the end. And Aww. I was like, that was so touching to me. I loved it. So I would love to be in that movie because there was mm-hmm. magic. Mm-hmm. Just something, oh, it's just so... Yeah, it captivates me. It, even I know magic tricks. I know you, you do. I can bring it like real life to your world, yeah. okay? Anytime so then, you need it. The second one for a musical would mm-hmm. be Annie, because there's a bald guy in there. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you play a bald guy? That'll work out. Yeah. Perfect. I have never heard of whatever movie you guys were talking about. Mm-hmm. Mr. Holland's Opus? Yeah. Came out a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, Apparently. That was the best. It came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, it came <laughs> out like Holland's Opus. Well, even, even yeah. Mag- the Magic Emporium one, that was a, at least was a, a decade ago. ago. But man, there's something about it. <laughs> I know Actually, the main character. Never mind. I'm not going to tell you my opinion. You don't like it? I didn't like it. Yeah. But so a lot of okay. people didn't. That's why it was weird. Yeah. Because it was just something, I don't know. I was I was yeah. probably depressed. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I got me. So great, great answers, guys. Thank you. Um, You're and now you guys, if you need to go look up Mr. Holland's opus. Yeah. <laughs> but as we wrap up, we're going to now just this current week. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk through Kirk's uh, previous uh, sermon of this week. And 
another fantastic, I, I feel like this series, what I'm seeing, um, and I don't want to always go back to like what's happening in the room. Cause I know not everyone can make it in the room, but sure. I, I want to say this. I felt like immediately when the sermon was done, conversations were already ha- like mm. starting to have like good, amazing, ch- uh, life-changing conversations where I, I could hear that in our audience. That's how compelling I feel like these sermons have been for people and are currently, you know, for people. And so I don't know if you guys pick that up and I don't want to over like make it too dramatized down mm. here, but like I really felt it in the room. Mm. Would you guys agree? Um, I can't answer because I wasn't in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I I was your room I'm so sorry. I was in the control room the whole time making sure things worked. <laughs> you were the important person. <laughs> so yeah, Courtney, <laughs> I was in first service. Uh, and I, yeah, I didn't necessarily catch like conversations afterwards, okay. but that's cause the nature of my job on Sundays, right. like in between services, I'm all So over. you guys are saying I'm the only one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> I am the only one. Yeah. No, but I definitely like, I felt it in the room and I was watching people and I, in the last couple of weeks, I would say I've seen people like kind of lean forward or mm. like there was even a moment in this last mm. sermon where like, I felt like Kirk could even stop. And it was like 10 minutes before the sermon was done mm-hmm. where it, you could tell people were like taking mm. it and it was like a challenge mm. and it hit, it was hitting home and you could just sense that of people like, Whoa. And he could have probably even just walked off the mm. stage at that point. And he still did a great job wrapping it up. But sure. like, yeah, you, I could I agree uh, that there's definitely people are receiving it mm-hmm. and like applying it, I think, because of you can just see the engagement and mm-hmm. how just intently they're listening mm-hmm. to what's going yeah. on in there. You can tell that there's something happening in their demeanors, just observing that even. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like uh, Sunday sermon um, week four of the pivot series. I felt like it was like part two from week three, like a a continuation of that conversation. So it was just awesome moving from intolerance to love and and really just tearing down barriers that our society, social media, politics, everybody puts up and tries to group people in and, and that Jesus really wants to just tear down. And so. Man, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I too like felt that. I heard people. Pe- I had honestly. I don't mean this. I'm not trying to suck up to Kirk. Who knows if he even listens? One of our millions of <laughs> listeners. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, like, like I, I don't know if I've had as many people come up to me after a Sunday to yeah. tell me like how great of a sermon mm-hmm. it was, the mm-hmm. topic, how like we needed to hear that, that type of stuff. Can I say though? And this is the skeptical side of me. Mm-hmm is I'm not sure myself included, any of us realize the type of work that this takes. Sure. Mm -hmm. It is so much easier for us to say that is awesome. And we needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. Will I actually love my enemy? Right. Will I actually pray for someone who is persecuting me? Let's be clear. That doesn't mean God fix them. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't mean God like save me from this horrific person. It means you are praying and the in the the words around that is a blessing for that person. You mm-hmm. are asking God to bless the person who is hurting you. Are we prepared for it? Mm-hmm. Like we have to understand the hard work. It isn't as easy as Kirk doing a great sermon yeah. on a Sunday and yeah, people right. going that is good. We needed to hear that. It yeah. is Will you actually do it? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm in that because it was challenging for me too. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I keep coming back to is it is for sure the right way to go. But when Kirk said this is the narrow way mm-hmm. because of how difficult it is to love others, 
like we need to grasp that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to realize how serious this is going to require us to be in loving the people around us. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of hit me when he made the, the point of, he said, it's not hanging out with the neighbors that you enjoy hanging out with. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's not the love that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's finding the people that you don't enjoy hanging out with. And hanging out with them and having the conversations. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, that, for whatever reason, that one hit me because I actually am really good friends with my neighbors, like literal neighbors. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, there's other literal neighbors that I find annoying. And so then I don't hang out with them or I don't pursue or I don't have a conversation. Or if I do have a conversation, I end it quickly because <laughs> I don't want to continue it. Um, I can help out. What's their names? Yeah. yeah. So First Fred and Lisa. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm calling Fred today. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, just like how I personally even just gravitate towards, and I think this is just human nature. We gravitate towards the people that we have things in common with, the people that we want to be around. Mm-hmm. And I think that I love well, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily pursue those relationships that are inconvenience, mm-hmm. like that inconvenience me or make me uh, have to work extra hard or have to put out love beyond what I really want to do. Um, and so like, yeah, I even felt that when I was sitting in the room listening of like, man, I can do so much better at this. So it's not even necessarily people that I would say are my enemies. Uh, like, yeah, that's a whole other level too. But like just people that I just don't necessarily enjoy. Um, but I write them off too fast. So how am I loving beyond that even? Mm-hmm. That's where I was feeling like the, I don't know, conviction or compelled mm-hmm. to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's just, are we willing to stand up and love these people who are different than us and stuff, even when we have political leaders, maybe even other pastors in our circles or on social media fanning the flame to put others in their place. Right. Which political leaders are you talking about? <laughs> right? All of them. Honestly. It just, it's, it's mind-blowing to yes. me that we will sacrifice what we clearly see in Scripture, what potentially, hopefully, your home church is telling you about how to love others the way that Jesus loved them. We will put all of that aside on the back burner because a political leader told us otherwise. That mm-hmm. we should shout yeah. at the other side. That we should... Tell them how stupid they are. Mm-hmm. Um, we will put politics above uh, our faith, and that, like, I uh, I have a friend who works at a church, and uh, they have a great uh, mission statement. And I saw this friend who works at a church comment on something political, uh, hardcore on one side of the aisle, and they did a honestly a very very rude comment on this public facebook page and that's how it came across my news feed was mm. was they made a comment because they're my friend it showed up i don't follow the page they commented on mm-hmm. or anything but they mocked someone else in what they did and all i did right or wrong is I commented their church mission statement <gasps> under his comment on the post where he's mocking people wow. and they deleted the comment and we never talked about it again. Oh, uh, wow. But it's, it's just like even church staff are willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. love of others, especially on social media because it's so much easier not yeah. to hit that dead horse again but easier to hide behind a screen you know right we're willing to put aside love of others for that type crap and oh mm-hmm. my gosh that makes me so mad 
Yeah, very so use early. church statements against people. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great point because I think that's kind of hit, hits everybody in the sense of social media. Our social media game has gone way up oh, yeah. because of those last couple of years. And uh, it's probably been close to a year now. I stopped getting on Facebook. Yeah. I just have. Yeah. And I know as a pastor, that's probably not the best thing because it's the best place to connect with people. It really yeah. is. It's a great resource network tool. Yeah. But this over this last year, I stopped because I was so sick of getting on and seeing so many people that are in the church talk to about some minor detail mm. that's turning into a conspiracy theory that's now quoting verses at everybody that's like what in the world is gr-? like right. I have no energy for that yeah. at all uh, like I would rather focus on uh, different things you know mm. but that's really what I just saw that as such a heightened all it was was coming at me and so I'm like I'm done with it I'm just mm. turning off notifications and it's been a good process not been easy but it's been a good process yeah. Um, but yeah it's like I don't know what to do with the multiplier that social media is with everything negative that we're going through. Cause it is, it's like winning the lottery mm. lottery is going to emphasize everything problematic that we have with money. Mm. That's why when people win the lottery, it's not a good thing long-term yeah. <laughs> many times because whatever they're suffering with, it then becomes multiplied, you know? And I feel like yeah. right now things are getting multiplied to a whole different level. Yep. And I don't know, what, I, I, and I think like we're sick of, okay, what's the truth in all of this? And it's more of now, where's love again? Yeah. We've mm-hmm. lost our way to love. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, um, could we talk a little bit about the word tolerance? Because Kirk brings it up. Well, that was kind of his whole sermon. <laughs> no, that's, a good, that's a good idea. But I, I, would, I, would, love yeah. to, I would love to just, just discuss like, for some reason, the word tolerance has become like a bad word to Christians because, well, I'm not exactly totally sure, but, uh, but yeah, I would just love if we could just talk a little bit about the word tolerance and what, cause Kirk had a couple of statements and I'm, I'm probably going to get them not perfectly correct, but something along the lines of you can love, oh, you do can, you have it there? Yeah. Okay. You can tolerate someone without loving but you cannot love intolerantly. Yes. That's a great statement. Yes. So I just would love to discuss a little bit about the word intolerance. I think with the, Mm. so tolerance has become like a word in the Christian Mm. culture that is like, I've heard it in such a negative way. Like we shouldn't be tolerant almost of like, it's just a bad word. Yeah. Uh, And I do think it actually ties back into that legalism. Uh, mm. it's really the legalistic mindset of because there's these rules and there's these behaviors. And so there's these expectations. And if you're tolerant of somebody who doesn't fit within those rules, then you're breaking the rules and it's mm. not okay. Um, tolerance breaks down those barriers. And so it becomes this like negative thing in these legalistic cultures and yeah. these mindsets. Um, where really like Kirk, I thought did a phenomenal job of, make like pointing out like tolerance he made the comment of something about like tolerance is actually a good thing mm-hmm. as far as it goes mm-hmm. but it doesn't go far enough yeah. right and i was like oh wow I like, here's that. this like That's so good quote unquote bad word yeah. and yet he's saying like it's actually not even good enough yeah. uh because like he used the point again with marriage of you don't come home and you're like hey honey I tolerate you yeah. or be like, Oh, I just can't wait to meet somebody who's going to tolerate me for the rest of my life. Yeah. You don't, you know, in your, in your vows, you don't say I will tolerate you till death do us part. Like, Ooh, like yeah. that'd be horrible. Yeah. Um, 
And so I love like how he just took that like, yeah, tolerance is not like a bad word. In mm-hmm. fact, it actually doesn't mm-hmm. go far enough right. in what we should be as Christians, That's that good. we should be fully loving and not just tolerate. Yeah. So. Well, it's really like the word unconditional. Like we love that word. Unconditional. That sounds so good and pretty. <laughs> it, does, it feels great. But when it comes to tolerate, which is honestly a very similar word, we mm-hmm. hate that. That yeah. doesn't sound good. And it's like, no, that's what that's what unconditional means. It's <laughs> it's unconditional mm. love for that person. No right. matter what you do, say, think, believe, I'm gonna love you the same. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you could do that would change that for me. That's unconditional. That's tolerance in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't have facts in front of me, so help me if you guys <laughs> do. But like, didn't tolerance that that word become very political? Yes. Probably. Wasn't it more used against like the church? Uh, yeah. In a way? Yeah. It was that, what was like quoting back to like the church needs to be more tolerant? Yes. That the church was intolerant. Yeah. There was that. That was. Or that we're allowing too much to seep in. Yeah. I don't know. Like I think yeah. it got politicized and yeah. then now it, it, it speaks did, more absolutely. politically than it actually means for the word. The right. The word. Yeah. Right. Again, it's it's claiming, it's reclaiming mm-hmm. stuff. We've, we've right, aligned exactly. more politically with different things than we have with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. like we, we'd much rather stand up for our how we vote than what yeah. Jesus is actually saying in Scripture. Oh yeah, and I feel like po- right now politics has has the final say. Yeah, <laughs> like, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote a, a post two years ago um, uh, about a political leader who said. Something that I felt was crossing a a line when it comes to like language that we use around racism, um, identifying people groups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. This political leader said something and I posted calling out the political leader just around what they said and just said we should not use this type of language um, for this uh, group of people. Like it's just not right. We shouldn't be allowing this. And uh and it was because racism for this group of people skyrocketed at this point. And so I was like mm-hmm. calling it out, trying. I had Christians coming down on me hard for that post, mm-hmm. all because mm-hmm. it mentioned a Christian leader. They didn't care that like the the facts were there, that racism for this uh, certain group of people were skyrocketing at this time. And that some of it was around the language that we were using. And all I said is, let's change this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, like, my goodness, again, it's the political aligning that mm-hmm. we see people taking mm-hmm. rather than like, so oh, here's here's a Christian friend of mine who is calling out like what he feels is racism. Yeah. Let me at least try to understand. But instead, I had people <laughs> saying, you better delete this. Like, wow. this is awful. Like, how dare we say stuff? I'm like, oh, my gosh, guys, like I'm not even trying to indicate like where I lean on any of this right, stuff. Like People right. wouldn't mm-hmm. know. But like. I can't, I can't even call out something. I hope if I said something like that, any one of you three co-hosts of mine, anybody in my church would come to me and be like, Evan, don't use that language around that, that group of people, man. I hope I would listen to that. Yeah. I hope Mm -hmm. so too. But instead we say like, nope, I got to defend this political leader. My goodness. Like right now, I think all that's happening because of buzzwords or because of culture, bringing things, uh, emphasizing certain things right now. It's our job to step up and be like, okay, what is the Holy Spirit asking us to do? Like, really, what's the what's the Holy Spirit asking of us in these situations? And just by asking those questions, if that feels political to people, yeah, they turn it off mm-hmm. immediately. And I'm like, I, I could care less 
honestly what culture is saying on so many different levels. Mm. But I do listen because I know that's the heartbeat of what people are feeling that mm-hmm. are not in the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's more of like I tune in because I want to know the heart of people, not because it's truth. <laughs> you know, yeah. I know culture is not truth, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's what we're going through. And if we want to know our audience, if we want to love well, I feel like we have to understand what people are experiencing and it's not my job to put my story on other people, you know, at all. And I feel like we do that too. Yeah. But like true, the true way of love is having an open hand and allowing God to love people. Right. And then we're the conduit through that, you know, Mm. and, and it's very simplistic, but yet it's very complex too. Well, as we close final thoughts from anybody. There's a lot to take in. There is a lot to take in. Yeah. I, I'm going to stay silent. I'm pretty fired up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stoking the fire over there. <laughs> I just love, I just love that we have the, the ability to reclaim like words. I'm a big language guy. So like when words are misused, I just love that we have the ability to reclaim them. Like the word of tolerance yeah. and how like, like, it's almost, I was just thinking, like, it's almost like it's the first step towards actual love. Like, if you can't tolerate someone, then you can't love them. Like, you can't mm-hmm. get to actual true love until you listen and until you slow down and not just defend your political leader or whatever, whatever you're trying to do. It's, it's almost like the the first thing we have to do before we move towards supernatural love. I don't know. Yeah. Just thought. Uh, the only thing I would add is just like a, a caveat that none of us are experts oh, in this gosh. area. <laughs> <laughs> like, like none of us are legalistic about anything that oh, we just <laughs> declared on oh, this podcast. <laughs> uh, we're all on this journey together yeah. trying to learn and understand grace is ultimately what all of this boils down mm-hmm. to. And, and we probably never will. It's supernatural. Uh, but it's fun to talk about. It is. It is. It's fun to talk about. Yeah, and I think the way Kirk ended this last sermon, he talked about Jesus's words. However, you love the least of these is how you love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the perspective. If we're looking for hope today, um, it's everyone deserves to be loved, no matter who they are, yeah. um, and what they believe in or what they're fighting for. It's still a human being loving another human being, and because we're able to do that, it's because Jesus loved us first. And so I think that's the perspective that we need to continue to keep and reminding ourselves. Mm. Um, we all need to be pushed when it comes to love, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, on a regular basis. So I feel like the hope today is still the fact that we have an ability. We we're, we're still breathing. So we still have opportunity to love others. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, as a, a final word, we need to do a shout out to our sponsors. Nate, can you handle that for us? Yeah, we haven't received any yet. Yeah, you're right. Oh. Uh, still waiting on the feedback. Uh, or yep. emails from our million followers. Yeah, mm-hmm. hey, dude, we that. could get your business right out in front of at least three people. Oh, mm. man. That's three additional customers. I promise you, if you give us a slogan to write for a business, we will sell something. We'll see it. <laughs> Jingle sure. and all. Oh. It's wow. just, hey, there's potential here. Yeah. Any yeah. business owner out there, we're just saying again, please let us know. Hello at wearefaithchurch.com. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We may rewrite their ad, though. No, that well, is yeah, a caveat. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Yes. Give yes. us. We yeah. have, yes, uh, free creative thought yeah. over here, for sure. We're going to bring yes. love and grace in it. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. no legalism. 
<laughs> Anyways. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. We're so glad that you decided to join us and the Live to Give podcast. We hope you feel hopeful. We hope you are entertained and we hope that you will join us next week again for some more talks about, I think next week is the Bible and racism. Yeah, it is. So that's going to be very exciting. I don't know if it'll be intense or not, but I'm excited for it. Most likely it will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for being here. Go in grace and peace.
This is the executive producer. Yeah, executive producer. <laughs> say what you want, very much. The director. Yeah. My podcast mixologist. The CEO. Right. Oh, yes. The CEO. I like of that Faith one. Church. Yeah. <laughs> of Faith Church. Oh, my gosh. Hello, and welcome back to the Live to Give podcast. My name is Jacob, and here with me are your hosts, Evan, Nate, and Courtney. Hello. Oh. <laughs> that I'm was here. aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Present. <laughs> How's everyone doing today? I'm just trying to keep my pimp hands strong. <laughs> Can't do much with that one. (laughs) Ten points. Yeah. (laughs) One. I win. Game over. And he's got a strong pimp hand. (laughs) Let me just tell you, it's strong. Hey, someone act up. Gator got to put him in his place. You push me. You push a gator. Don't provoke him. Sometimes Gator gotta act right. I don't know what that is. Was it the other guys? What is it yeah, called? I just watched it like last week. <laughs> so good. You would hate it. I yeah, probably would. Always oh, feral. Yeah. He plays this like accountant or whatever, like this dork, and then you find out it's because he used to be a pimp called Gator. <laughs> And so he's he got comes that. out towards the end. Gator's not <laughs> fair, right? You find out like his wife loves him because of Gator. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is this Gator? So good. It's oh Gator, my. but he calls Gator. <laughs> You'd love it. I, uh, I, I doubt it. I doubt that very much. <laughs> Keep up, pimp hands strong. I'm trying to decide if we need to start over. Yes. I no, that's good. So, legalism. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, I'll save this as a soundbite. Yeah. Oh God!
done with you all. <laughs> this is, oh, God. Okay. He had a speech impediment. Who? My friend in third grade. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah. He uh, would pronounce t- the TH sound with an F. So uh-huh. I taught him the word thuck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had to clean the hallways with steel wool. Every mark. Yeah. I was the directive from a nun. Because I was at a Catholic school. Nuns will beat the shit out of you. You don't You don't question whatever nun says you do. Wait, is this real? It's dead serious, yeah. yeah. Holy angels. <laughs> holy angels, that was a holy roller. Back in the day. Dumb. 